0: John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand the things which he, the the things, uh, those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that he may have life and may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am a good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So you see, they're making reference to the opening of the eyes of the blind, that blind man. So we're right at the tail end of the Feast of Tabernacles, where Jesus has has healed the man who was born blind. But you see, Jesus is keeping with the scenario that we said he is keeping from the point of the unpardonable sin. From that point, it says that he never spoke to the masses uh, uh, plainly. He only spoke to them in parables. And the masses did not understand. And that's, that's what it says here. It says exactly that. That they did not understand. It says that, that in verse 6, this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which He had been saying to them. Only to those that it had been revealed. Remember, He said to His disciples, He would clarify with them in in private. But to the masses, since the day of the unpardonable sin, He only spoke in parables. And it says, on that day, that He only spoke to them in parables since that day. And here, He's continuing in that same pattern, only speaking to them in these parables. But what can we glean from these parables? It says at the end of the portion that many of the Jews were confused. And and uh, so these masses are confused. And some said, oh, he has a demon. Why do you even bother listening to him? And others said, this is not the way a man who is demon-possessed speaks. And so if you've ever dealt with a person who's been demon-possessed and speaking, they don't speak that way at all. They don't speak very coherently, they speak angrily, they don't speak the way that Jesus was speaking. So the people who are there are saying, This isn't the way a demon possessed man speaks. So what can we glean from this? So Jesus says to them in verse one He says, There's there's a sheep, there's a sheepfold, there's a door to the sheepfold. He says that if you come through the door, I mean, this is, this is the proper way. There's others that come in, that climb up and over, and they are like thieves and robbers. He says in verse 2, But he who enters the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So, the sheep are different from the things that are outside. The sheep are the ones who know Jesus. Once we are in the body of Christ... In the church, this is what we're talking about. This is what he's making reference to. What he's making reference to specifically is the believing remnant of Israel. He's making reference to the believing remnant of Israel. Those who really believed in him. He says those are his sheep. He says later on in the the chapter, he says, But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. They will become one with this fold. He's speaking of the Gentile nation. Of those who are not Jews will eventually be coming in. He says, I will make them one sheepfold with one shepherd. You will see in the Scriptures, Jesus makes reference to this type of thing. Or, uh, I'm sorry, the Scriptures make reference to this type of thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, it makes reference to the Jew, the Greek, and the church of God. There are three portions of people that are now dealt with differently, differently in the world. God deals with Jews in one way, He deals with Gentiles another way, and He deals with the church a third way. Once you are in the church, whether you're Jew or Gentile, once you're in the church, He deals with us in a specific way. He deals with Gentiles, those who are not of the Jewish race, those who are not in the church, He deals with them in a specific way, and He deals with Jews in a specific way. He has a special plan for the Jewish nation, for the Jewish people. But once we are in the church, we are all one in the body of Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There are three specific groups that the New Testament talks about. And that's mentioned many times in the New Test- Testament, particularly in this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. You see it very vividly, that there are these three portions of people. Once we are in the body of Christ, we're in that sheepfold, He deals with us in a specific way. This is the sheepfold that he's talking about. In this case, it's the believing remnant, the believing remnant of the people, of of the Jewish nation. That the Gentiles, he says, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold that I'm about to to blend right in with them. These are the groups of people that he's talking about. But look what he says about that believing remnant, about those who are in the sheepfold. He says in verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out when he puts forth all his own he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice so specifically this is what he says he says that the sheep hear his voice this is one thing that as believers that we can definitely take hold of we can hear god's voice not physically generally not physically Hearing God's voice is probably the most challenging thing that I know as a believer. As a believer in Jesus Christ, my desire is to hear God's voice for my life, for what He wants me to do, for His plans for me. I want to hear His voice. And if you think, well, does God really speak? You have to pull out like every other page of your Bible if you want to say that God doesn't speak. Because the Scriptures are just full of God speaking to men. God speaking to women. God speaking to His people. He speaks, the Scriptures say, in many portions and in many ways. You may hear God speaking to you through a message that's given in church. but And and for me, God speaks to me through the Scriptures. The primary method that God speaks to believers today is through the Scriptures. And the reason that I say this is because... I have, I'll tell you about my own life, I have a tendency to hear what I want to hear. Driving down the road and I'm just, oh, God's gonna, God says that He's going to open for me a parking space right around the corner. You know, I can hear whatever I want to hear. I have this capability. My, my mind is really very creative. And I can hear all sorts of things. So how do I separate what my own mind is saying versus what the God of the universe is saying? You see what I mean? Some people say, oh, God speaks to me all the time. God told me this. God told me that. My experience with people who say, God told me this. God told me that. God told me this. God told me that. Is that the next day, God is telling them to do something contrary to what He told them the day before. Because they're so flippant in saying, God told me, God told me, God told me, that they forget and the next day God told them something different. I'm like, uh, did you just tell me that God told you not to do this? And now He's telling you to do this? So maybe God has changed His mind. Now the Bible says God doesn't change His mind. So do you see how fickle our own minds can be? So we, that tells us that we have to be really careful about this. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to our hearts. He does. He has totally that capability. It's our problem. It's my problem. Because I have the capability in my creative mind to hear all sorts of things, I need the Scriptures to speak very clearly to me. God speaks through the Scriptures. He speaks to us through the Scriptures. God's voice is heard. There are things in my life, there are things right now in my life that I'm trying to discern from God. Is He going to have me do certain things? And these are big things, which will affect a lot of people. It will affect my family, it will affect people around me. So I really want to hear. Because of this, I will work all the harder to make sure that I'm hearing His voice properly. I will go through certain steps. One of the things that I will do is I will fast and pray. And for me, fasting is not not eating between breakfast and lunch. That's not what fasting is. All right, Fasting is to go a portion of time. Generally for me, it's a portion of days. Two days, three days, four days, five days. A portion of days without food. And then after a few days of just dealing with this and the headaches and the, all the stuff that comes with this, my mind is much more open. And my heart is much more open. And I'm just like a sponge wanting to hear from God. And then also very often when I come off of a fast, that my mind is much more open to hearing what God says. Because I really want to discern this thing. This is what Christian life is. What I'm telling you is not specific just to me. This is a scriptural pattern. This is a scriptural pattern. Esther, she called for a fast. She told them to fast for three days. And she had a big task before her. She said, fast and petition the Lord. Jesus said, when I'm taken away, my disciples will fast. This is not something that I'm telling you that you should do now. You do it whenever God calls you to do it. This is what you're to do. This is part of discerning the voice of God. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in Christ or would you like to stay stagnant? Would you like to remain stagnant in your walk? Did you know that most people in the body of Christ, most people in this sheepfold, have no clue about hearing God's voice? Nor do they make much effort. The body of Christ is a broad tent. There's a lot of things going on here. But God has called us to certain things. God does certain things in our lives. And He calls us sometimes to things that are, that are, that are bigger. Bigger. So he calls us to things, and he, and he, God wants you to mature in your walk. He doesn't want you to remain where you are. I can go into a classroom, and I can tell who the Christians are in a secular classroom. I can say this, how many of you are working to bring yourselves beyond where you are now to improve yourselves, your character, your lifestyle? If someone is not in the faith, I don't need to improve my character. My lifestyle is just fine. Thank you very much. But as a believer, believers are like, I've got to be more like Jesus. They immediately understand. You're not to remain where you are. I can release you in my own heart. I am just totally free if I know that you're in the Scriptures and in the Word of God. God will speak to you. God will direct you. He speaks through the Scriptures. And it's important to have a regular time in the Scriptures. And regular time doesn't mean once a month. Regular time means daily. How do I know daily? Because the Scriptures again and again talk about meditating on the Word of God. Daily meditation or day and night. It uses two different expressions. Either daily or day and night. There is a daily time, a day and night time of meditating on the Scriptures. This is what God has called us to. He says, My sheep hear His sheep. He says, And the sheep hear His voice. You cannot hear the voice of God unless you get alone and give time to God. Unless you learn to pull those paws out of your ear say, Lord, speak to my heart. And I don't care how great your technology is. If you don't get alone and say, Lord, speak to my heart, you'll never hear. Well, God speaks to me through Christian music. That's great but maybe He wants to say something to you beyond what the lyrics are. Learn how to come before God. Learn how to mature in your walk. Learn how to grow in your walk. Just as you commit four years of your life to a college education, which takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of diligence if you really want to learn in this, if you really want to do well. It's the same thing in a walk with Christ, and you are never done You are never done. He says, my sheep hear my voice. To me, this is my biggest challenge as a believer. Hearing the voice of God. What does God have for this class? What does God have for my students? What does God have for my research career? What does He have for my outreach? What am I supposed to be doing as a believer? Say, oh, well, you're all set. You just do this class. I I don't know. Am I just supposed to do this? I don't know what to talk about. You know, I come before a portion. This is the next portion in the chronology of Jesus' life. This is the next thing that happens right at the end of this Feast of Tabernacles. So I read this portion. And you think that, oh, you know, I just read it and I know what to come in here and say. No! No way! Every day I'm reading this portion all week. Lord, speak to me! Sometimes I come before this Word of God and like... Lord, what, what am I going to say? What do I just read it and say, well, it's obvious. Self-explanatory. Oh, Lord, what is the message here? What are you trying to say? And I'm just wrestling with this. Father, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me through your word. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, he Speaking to ministers, speaking to people in his college, in his Bible college in the 1850s about becoming ministers, he says, All your commentaries, all your books, and all your studies are nothing compared to your closet. He's making reference to the scriptures talking about Jesus said, Go into your closet and pray. He says, Nothing compares to your closet. If if you preach more than you pray, you're going to have a big problem, he says. If your preaching time is longer than your prayer time, you're going to have a big problem. It behooves me to spend more time in prayer for the message than it does in speaking the message. This is what he's calling to you to. Do you want to grow in faith or don't you? Do you want to remain lethargic in your faith, wondering, does God even exist? Or do you want to go on in the power of God? This is what's before you. This is what He puts before us. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They know me. How do you get to know Jesus? You spend time with Him. I don't want to know about Jesus. Just read that Jesus is love, Jesus is good. I want to know Him. As Paul cries out, I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. Whoa! I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to know the fellowship of His glory. He says, I want to know the fellowship of His suffering. Look at the depth of maturity in Paul to be able to say that. I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. To me, Paul says... To suffer with Him is greatness. This is what He's calling us to, something richer, something beyond ourselves. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He calls His own sheep by name and He leads them out. When He puts, them, puts forth all His own, He goes ahead of them and His sheep follow Him because they know His voice. So here's the picture. He goes into the sheepfold. He brings them out. He puts them all outside of the sheepfold. And then He doesn't just say, Have a good day, sheep. It says He goes out and then He leads them. He puts them out of the sheepfold. He puts them into the world. And then He steps in front of them and He leads them. That's what He does. That's what I want to know. I want to know what Jesus has for me in this world. I want to do His will. This is what He calls us to. He says that there are thieves, there are cheats, and there are liars. <clears throat> he, he says, he, he says uh, uh, a stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from Him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And then He, he goes down, He, he says uh, in verse 8, All who come, came before Me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. If anyone enters through me, he says, First of all, there's a door. You come he says, I am the door. You must first be saved. Everything that I am telling you, you have zero, zero access to if you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ. This is not just a lofty ideal that oh I think I'll walk like a Christian because it's, it's it's a good ethic. Good luck. You'll never make it. It comes, first of all, by getting saved. That comes by recognizing the work that Jesus did, that He is Lord, and that He's risen from the dead. That's what the Scriptures say. He has risen physically from the dead. Yeah, I can't believe a physical resurrection... Well, then you ask God to open your heart because God will never ask us to do something that He hasn't given us the capacity to do. And the first thing is to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has risen from the dead. And if you become so intellectual that resurrection is below you, you are terribly confused. Terribly confused. That will never, never, Go away. Jesus has risen from the dead. You will never outsmart God. He has risen physically from the dead. You say, How does it happen? It's a miracle. It doesn't happen every day. That's the whole thing about it. God transcends space and time, and he does something that doesn't generally happen. That's called a miracle. <clears throat> he says the thief in verse ten comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I meet young people all the time who their lives are being stolen, their lives are being destroyed, and their lives will eventually be killed by the devil. I meet young people from Christian homes that are going through this. I sat with a young lady this week and I looked at her and I just listened a little bit to her story and I said... You know, you are you're 25 years old. You have the baggage in your life of a 45-year-old. And she looked at me and she started to tear up. She said, you're absolutely right. What alcohol and drugs and living a free life has done to absolutely destroy her. This is what the world has to offer you. So, if you think, oh, well, you know, I just want to go out and experience this. Just remember, you are about to experience a very hard taskmaster whose motivation is to steal and to kill and destroy you. That's his motivation. Well, I'd like to try it, you know. It's, you know I'll try anything once. Remember, his motivation is to steal, to kill and to destroy your life. He is there to destroy your future marriage. He is there today to destroy your future marriage. He is there today to have you make decisions that will be the undoing of any substantive relationship in the future. He will there be there to cause you to make decisions that will destroy any substantive career that will fulfill you in the future. That is the devil's motivation. That is the destroyer's motivation. If it were not so, Jesus would not have said it. It is true. Believe it. Jesus said it. He felt it was important enough that he say these things. He says the thief comes only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. His motivation is not for your good. That's Jesus' motivation, is for your good. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. Jesus said, I have come to offer you life and life abundantly. I have come. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I had a guy once flippantly say to me, Oh, you know, Jesus said he came to offer us an abundant life. That's what I'm doing. I'm living an abundant life. See, you're so deceived. Someone is killing and stealing and destroying your life, and you think that that's the abundant life? Look at where it's taking you. Look at where it is taking you. And this young lady could see her sister's lives. They grew up in the same home. In the same home. One young lady, her life is destroyed. She has at least the baggage of a 45-year-old, rather than a 25-year-old. And her two sisters... Have chosen a, a, a better pathway. And it's right there, black and white, right before her. And you think that that is the abundant life? If that's the abundant life, why aren't they more happy? You think the abundant life is living in free sex? You know, those in high, high school, those in high school who have a promiscuous life, are far more likely to commit suicide. Far more likely. Well, if it's so great, why are they committing suicide? God has something much better for us. Jesus said, He came. He came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Did you know that's one of the reasons for Jesus' coming? Is to give me life and an abundant life? That's a pretty good deal. That God would send His Son for us. That we would have an abundant life. Now, tell me, which one would you rather have? The one whose motivation is to kill, steal, and destroy? Or the one whose motivation is to give you an abundant life? You choose. You choose. And every day there are decisions before you that will cause you. Which one will you choose? Which one will you choose? Jesus has the better way. He says of himself, he says, I'm a good shepherd. And not only this, he says in verse 11, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says, the hired hand has no motivation of doing that. It's like, uh, say, say, someone working in a movie theater and he sees it's on fire and he says, Fire? I better get out of here. And he quietly slips on out is the one who really cares. I mean, he's going to go lay down his life for the others and say, get on out of here. The the place is on fire. He says, Jesus says, I care for your life. i am come to die for you. I came to die for you. This is how he characterizes himself. The other thing he says, he says, no one takes my life. No one takes my life. I lay it down of my own accord. It was the Jews who offered him up. It was the Roman Gentiles that crucified him, and Jesus said, no one takes my life. I offer it up. Jesus offered up his own life for us. This is what's before us. This is what's before us in this parable of the Good Shepherd, of the Good Shepherd. This is what he has for us. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Who will it be? And remember, Jesus speaks through the scriptures. Let me speak to you as young people with good brains that want to do well. Learn how to pick up the scriptures and read a book of the scriptures. That means you start in chapter 1 of that book, verse 1. And before you read, you say, Lord, speak to me through this passage. Speak to me. And you start to read slowly and deliberately. This thing of having to complete the Bible in a year is never in the Bible. You slowly and deliberately read. And He may bring your eyes back to a portion and just say, Lord, what are you trying to say through this portion? Say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I have this concern in my life. I have this big meeting today. Speak to me. Help me. And watch Him. Speak to you. And then you pick up in that book that evening or the next day, you pick up reading where you left off the day before. And then you read some more. Then when you get done with that book, you can start in on the next book. That is an intelligent way to read. It is unintelligent to pick up a novel and go, read this page. And then the next day, this page. I mean, will the novel work? No. So learn to grow up and read this properly. For me, when I was in college, I set a pattern of reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and reading on through. And then when I'm done with Revelation 22, I start again. I still have that pattern. I still have that pattern. And I'm reading in Job right now. And Job is so good so good I'm on my third time through Job before I've even gone on to Psalms. I've got to go through this again. And I gotta go through it again. Because there's just more coming. Learn how to pick up a book and be spoken to by God. Learn how to hear his voice because he said, My sheep hear my voice. If it were not so, he would not have told us this. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your Word. You do marvelous things. Thank You for our Lord Jesus Christ who came to give life and life abundantly to these precious young lives. Abba, draw them to Yourself, I pray. Cause them to mature in their walks with You, that they would learn to pick up the Scriptures and hear Your voice. Father, that they would learn to follow the One who has life abundantly for them. And they would learn to shun the One who means to bring destruction. And to kill them. And to steal their lives from them. Abba, Father, protect them, I pray. Abba, I pray for that young girl that I spoke to just this past week. Who's just gone down a path of destruction intercede upon her life I pray I pray that she would follow through on the things that she said and you draw her forth into the proper place have mercy on her I pray Father for those here who don't know you who don't know Jesus Christ Lord I pray that you would open up their hearts that they would know you that their souls could be saved that they could enter that sheepfold Father Father Draw them to Yourself, I pray. And I present, Lord, these young lives to You. Protect them, I pray. Draw them close to Jesus. And have mercy on them. And it's in Your name I pray. Amen.